You can turn in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We'll give you the references later on as we go through our study. We won't get into reading just right off the, the bat here. Today I want to share a message with you uh, on Simeon and Anna. Two ordinary, but I think very important characters in the story of Christmas. A couple of years ago, some of you might remember this, uh, they came out with a movie that was released with the title, The Bucket List. Anybody remember that? That goes back quite a few years, few of you do. And uh, this particular one, I don't know whether they made more than one, but this particular one starred Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson. And uh, I personally didn't see the movie myself, but uh, I'm familiar with the premise or the story behind the movie. Jack Nicholson, I believe, uh, was a rich corporate executive, and Morgan Freeman was a mechanic. Uh, they meet in the hospital, and I believe both of them were diagnosed at that time with a terminal illness. Uh, Nicholson's character uh, is grumpy and angry about his condition. That's almost the way it is in his real life, too. And uh, Freeman's character is hopeful and positive. And they decide they were going to leave the hospital and they were going to embark on a journey to fulfill their bucket list. Uh, the bucket list is the thing that they want to do, different things they wanted to do before they kick the bucket. So they started out on their journey. That's the uh, idea of the, uh, the movie, the bucket list. Now, since the movie... And I'm sure I still, from time to time, hear this about people that have compiled various bucket lists, things that they want to fulfill before they pass away or they are in a place that they can't do it anymore. So uh, they, there's things they want to do before they die. Um, some people uh, would like to climb Mount Everest. I'm not one of them. But there are some people that would like to do that. Uh, some would like to find their true love and get married. I did that, enjoying every minute of it, okay? And then uh, some would like to go skydiving. Don't invite me. I'm not going, okay? That might be on your list. Some would like to meet a famous person. Well, sometimes that comes about. You know the organization, I forget the, the name of it, but they fulfill kind of bucket lists or dreams for terminally ill children. And lots of times they want to meet a football, basketball star, and they make that wish come true for them. I've seen that happen a couple of times. Well, Simeon and Anna, our two characters today, had a bucket list. Now, uh, I'm pretty sure that they didn't use that terminology back then when Jesus uh, came onto the scene. But their wish, they only had one, was to see and behold the promised Messiah, the Son of God who came uh, into the world 
and to save them from their sins. That was the top of their bucket list. Uh, we've seen so many nativity scenes in our lifetime. And sometimes people think that this first Christmas that we read about over the next couple of uh, messages, they, they seem to think that that Christmas time was very romantic and very wonderful. Well, as we look back at it, it is very wonderful that Jesus Christ came into this world uh, to save us, and that's a great and wonderful thing to behold. But for the most part, during that time when Christ came into this world, it was a very wretched time. The circumstances were horrible during that time of history when Christ was born. The Roman government was ruling with an iron fist. Uh, the last prophet that had anything to say to the children of Israel was the prophet Malachi. He had gone off the scene, and it seemed like between what we look at as the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was a period of 400 years where it might have seemed to some of the believers at that time that God was silent. And he had, my goodness, some might have even believed he turned his back on the children of Israel. There's a book that was published a number of years ago that gives a little brief history of those 400 years between Malachi and when Christ came into the world, and it's called Between the Testaments. Now, there's more than one book out there with that title, so I'm not advising that you just go out and buy that book, whatever you find where it says Between the Testaments. If you're interested in reading that book, a very good one, you come and uh, talk to me maybe this evening and I'll give you the name and the author so you get the right book. Very interesting reading. And of course, uh, the nation of Israel, uh, for the most part, they were looking for a Messiah or a deliverer for another reason. They were under the iron fist, we said, of the Roman government. They were looking for somebody to come and deliver them from that terrible uh, rule, from this evil uh, uh, organization or this government known as Rome. In fact, if you read through the Gospels, you'll find that even the disciples at first were looking for such an individual. But that's not what Jesus came for the first time. So let's move on. Uh, sad to say, Christmas today really has turned into a billion-dollar industry and instead of celebrating what it really means. fact of the matter is, the politically correct crowd, which I am not a member of, doesn't even want us to use the term Merry Christmas. Some of the businesses where they want to take your money, they even advise the employees just wish people a happy holiday. Don't use the term Merry Christmas. You might offend somebody. And I am very sad to say that I have offended many people through the last couple of weeks. And most of them, I would say, really were not offended. They appreciated the fact 
that uh, they uh, received a Merry Christmas from me. Some of them received a track. And some of them, in some cases, uh, if they were sitting at a booth and they couldn't get away, I even gave them a sermonette. So uh, that's just part of my nature. And they seem to enjoy that, too, for the most part. Nobody tried to climb out underneath my legs, all right? But in Jesus' time, there was no celebration. Now, we'll expand on that a little bit when we say there was no celebration. After all, we said Simeon and Anna were looking for the Messiah. But in general, there was no celebration. It was not a wonderful time. Uh, nobody was ready for the Messiah to be born. Uh, Herod was even caught off guard. Remember, we talked about him Sunday evening. Uh, we considered him to be uh, the monster of Christmas. You could call him the Grinch of Christmas, I guess. Um, and of course, uh, the rich and the powerful uh, didn't know that it happened, didn't even really care. Uh, the ruling powers in the world, from Rome to Asia, had no clue. And they didn't care one way or the other. It seemed that nobody was ready for the coming of the Messiah. Nobody except a few devout people who stayed true to God and worshipped him. And two of those people, again, were Simeon and Anna. And in Jerusalem, it seemed like there was a small group of folks who were also waiting for the Messiah. Uh, they studied the scriptures and the prophets, uh, and of course, uh, rather than advocating the overthrow of Rome, they truly were uh, silently praying and meditating upon God's word and excited about someday the uh, Messiah would arrive, and these people were godly people, even though many times they were in fear of their lives because of the way that they live godly lives. Luke records the entrance into the Christmas story about the man named Simeon in Luke chapter 2 and verses 25 and 26. Let's read them together. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now remember, already he probably was up in years, but he had that promise that he would one day, before he died, he would see the Messiah. Now let's just stop just for a moment here and consider something. In this uh, information I gave you beforehand and in this scripture that we're going to continue to read, God doesn't follow the usual script. Did you ever figure that out by now if you're a student of the Bible? God doesn't follow the usual script. Um, who was it that got these, can we say, the inside information or the inside scoop? about the most important event uh, and important news to the Jewish nation. Was it a king by the name of Herod that received it first? No. Was it anybody in the 
uh, religious but lost group, the chief priests, did they receive the notification? No, they didn't either. Was it somebody maybe like Nicodemus? He was a religious leader in his time. No, it wasn't him. No, it was poor but faithful Simeon. You could probably look at him as far as the world system at that time as just an everyday person, just kind of a nobody. But yet, he was faithful. And uh, the thing that we can take as far as consolation in that matter is this. It's wonderful to see that God uses just ordinary people to reveal very important truths that the world needs. You and I who sit here today, uh, and I'm sure I know most of you, not all of you, but uh, many of you, if not all of you that sit here today, knows Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And you have that knowledge and that knowledge should be used to reach other people with the good news that Jesus saves. And I'm sure that many, if not all of you, do that. You try to reach others with the gospel. And I would say probably we are just ordinary, everyday people. Uh, when I walk out of the church building, I don't have a multitude of crowds gathered around me asking me for my autograph. And neither do you, you're just an ordinary person. And an ordinary person that God wants to use to bring honor and glory to himself. Well, that's kind of precious, isn't it? You know, every year, every preacher uh, likes to come up with something different perhaps, even if it's just on Christmas Day to bring a message. But you know, after you've been preaching for a while, that's kind of hard to do, to, to bring something new and different. But sometimes the Lord will open up something for us that might be fresh for all of us at this time of the year. It's still such a precious thing that we realize Jesus came into this world to save the world, amen? And so, uh, I can imagine, if you would allow me to use my imagination, that perhaps Simeon, since he was involved with the temple, he might uh, go into the temple on any given day, and he might look at some young people that came into the temple, and they might be carrying little babies. And he would maybe quietly say to the Lord, Lord, is that him? Is that who I'm going to see? Is that who I'm going to get to hold today? Is that the Messiah? And God would say, no, Simeon, not yet. That's not him. And maybe another day passed or another week and another young couple comes in and, oh, they got a big smile on their face and they're carrying a baby. And, and Simeon says, Lord, is this the one? Is this the one? Lord says, no, Simeon, just be patient. That's not the one. And of course, uh, then, on one particular day, Simeon still has that in his heart and mind, and he asks the Lord one more time, Lord, look at that couple there. Boy, they're probably a little poor. They're not 
dressed like the wealthy are, but Lord, it, is that the baby? And the Lord answers back. Yes, Simeon. That's him. That's him. Luke 2, verse 29. Look at it, if you would, please. The, the Lord... Oops, wrong one. There we are. The Lord... The Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Please pay attention to the words in these verses. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. You know what Simeon seen? He saw that God had provided salvation for all people, not just for the nation of Israel. Verse 30, uh, we'll stop there at verse 32. Let me read it again. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. Simeon had accomplished his bucket list. He had accomplished his bucket list. His lifelong dream was to see the Messiah, and he did. Now we set about paying attention to the words. Simeon's words contain powerful truths about the gospel. We've already re uh, uh, revealed one of those powerful things about the gospel. Uh, of course, first he says that his eyes had seen salvation. Uh, you see, salvation is not a thing or a religious term as such. Salvation is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. You remember John chapter 14, where Jesus says, uh, now listen to me, make sure that I'm quoting this right. I am one of the ways. I oh, know. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now there's another not politically correct statement, but truth that we need to share with others. We don't need to be politically correct when it comes to salvation. We need to be biblically correct. Amen? That's very important. Only one way to be saved, no matter how that might cut the hearts of other people. There still is only one way that God has provided for salvation for each and every person that it com comes into this life. Well, um, then, of course, um, his eyes had seen salvation. Um, and, of course, that was in the, the form of the baby Jesus who, who grew up to be a man and become sin for you and me and provide that gift of salvation. Uh, Simeon knew that he wasn't just a light for the Jews. He made that very clear, isn't that? Where do you think he got that knowledge from? That's from studying the word, and God revealed that to him, of course, that it would be more than just the Jews that God would provide salvation uh, for. He was the light of what? He was the light of the world. 
That covers everybody. Uh, fact of the matter is, when you think about Israel's purpose, Israel's purpose from the very beginning was to be God's light to unbelieving nations. That was their first call and purpose, really. Remember the promise that uh, God gave to Abraham about how he would bless the world. And uh, also, uh, what does the Bible say now about you and I? Now that we are children of God, ye are what? The light of the world. And let me tell you, folks, if you didn't realize it yet, and I'm sure most of you have, we are living in a dark world. And our light ought to even shine more brightly than ever before. Uh, in other words, uh, Jesus didn't just come for a select group of people. Jesus came for all of mankind, all who would believe. Uh, then look at verse 33, if you would, please, in Luke 2. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Uh, as, si as Simeon now is speaking to this young couple, I see some things here. First of all, his words, I think, were words of encouragement, but I also think that his words were a sober reminder of exactly what they had signed up for, if I can use that terminology. Remember, the angel came to Mary. Can you imagine a young girl uh, never knew a man before? She was raised that way, very godly young lady. And this young lady was told, although she was betrothed to a man now and would eventually be married, she was told that she was going to have a child. And it was before her and Joseph would come together. Uh, run that through your mind, ladies. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something to hear from an angel? But she was a godly woman, and she was willing to be used by God in any way that he seemed fit. And she had chosen a man that was a man. And he was a godly man. Just imagine what both of them had to endure probably throughout their lifetime. The talk that would go around town about Mary about Joseph. Do you know that isn't even his child? Things like that. You know how cruel people can be. But they knew. They knew because God had blessed them. God had chosen them for a specific purpose. And man, am I glad that he did. Amen. So wonderful. So marvelous. Mary's life was probably one of continual sacrifice throughout her life, the things that she had to go through. 
Mary was a, a faithful and a devout woman, and she worshiped God faithfully. She served him with all of her heart. Her husband also endured the ridicule that just seemed to probably follow them until the day that they were taken home to be with the Lord. But remember, we said that Simeon wasn't the only one who was awaiting the Messiah. There was this lady by the name of Anna. Uh, you say, who is she? Well, that's a good question. I figured you might ask. So look at chapter 2 of Luke and verse 36 through 38. Pay attention to the words, please. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age. That doesn't mean she was young. And had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Now let's take this apart a little bit and learn a little bit more about Anna. She's another just ordinary person. Isn't it wonderful? Even when you go through the Old Testament and the New Testament, God uses just everyday, ordinary people to bring about some miraculous events that we read about still in 2017. That's marvelous. Just everyday, ordinary people. <laughs> Some he called to be a prophet, and all they were were goat herders. Some of them were just shepherds. God called them and used them to fulfill his purposes and his plan. And of course, uh, we, we also see here that probably when you look at Anna from the standpoint of the people who lived during that time, she was probably uh, one of the most insignificant type of people um, to herald the birth of the Son of God. You would probably pick somebody else, but not God. He picked Anna. She was a woman. Now, let me give you a little bit of history of the times in which Anna lived. Women were not looked upon or regarded as too much, almost looked at as property. Fact of the matter is, I don't know that that has changed much in some areas of the country, especially with the Muslims as they look upon their women as nothing more than property. And back in those days, it was pretty much the same way, except perhaps for the godly people. Uh, she was a widow. And uh, widowers were often not taken care of the way they should have been. Although, if you go back to the book of Leviticus, 
it gave it, the children of Israel specific instructions on how to take care of the widows. But many of them did not. Why? Well, because you had a lot of people who were in charge of, quote, religion. They were religious but lost. They knew things about the Bible that only benefited them. They weren't too much concerned about the people who they should have been concerned about. Even today, in our New Testament, it gives specific instructions to the church and to us on how we should take care of the widows and those in need. So, uh, for the most part, sad to say, although there was uh, instructions given in, in Leviticus concerning how they should be taken care of, they weren't taken care of. Now, here's something else. She was from one of the lesser tribes that we read about. She was from the tribe of Asher. My goodness, you could almost say, uh, although it was a tribe, you could almost say, really, that was a, a foreigner in Israel. But yet God chose her. And to top it off, Anna, a widow, up in years, wouldn't be your first choice for most anything. She was the world's first evangelist that was going to herald that the Christ, the Messiah, had come in to the world. You say, well, now where do you get that? Well, we just read it. Let's go back and read it again. And uh, she coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him, look at the next words, to all them that look for redemption in Jerusalem. They may not have noticed her before, but now she's going through the town. Maybe not as fast as she used to be able to go through. And maybe not with the strongest voice that she had when she was younger. But she was telling people, the Messiah is here. The Messiah has arrived. Boy, that's great. Uh, I find her story very encouraging and very compelling. And it's just one another reason that I believe the Bible. You say, well, why is that? Well, we know how Hollywood makes up stories, but only God could come up with this story, this narration, and these different characters that he uses. Man couldn't make that up. Uh, of all the people to choose for the first herald of the gospel, you know and I know we wouldn't have chosen Anna, but God did. And whether you know it or not, when you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, however many years ago that was, God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and he knows that he can use you to reach certain people that I could not reach 
And that's why it's always important for us to be aware of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's leading. Oh, we may not hear an audible voice that says, Tom, talk to that person. Tom, give that person a track. I know nobody else ever heard that still small voice. You've all heard it, where God is directing us and leading and guiding us to fulfill his purpose and his plan in our lives. Same with Anna. We live in an age when people tell us the Bible doesn't treat women with respect. They mock the Bible. Uh, the modern day women and others look at passages like Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 30, and other places like this, and they say, that's a put down for women. Well, what you need to do this week is go home and read that passage of scripture and realize if any place uplifts a woman, it's that place in the scripture. It exalts a woman. It's not a put down. You know why they say it's a put down? Because of that little word subjection. We all subject ourselves to somebody or something. Wouldn't it be great to do it to God and come out looking a whole lot better? Because in that section where it says we should, the women should be in subjection to their, to their husbands, uh, everybody wants to stop there, especially the men. They'll say, amen to that. But back up a little bit. It says you as a man, we as people are to be subject unto God. And if we're subject unto God, we're not going to treat our women like dirt. We're going to treat them with respect like God wants us to. Amen. That's why he took women from our side. He didn't, he didn't take it from our feet to trot on. He didn't take them from our head to be over. He took the woman from our side to be right there as a helpmeet. Amen? I got a good one. I hope you do too. God sure is a lot smarter than us, isn't he? Yeah. Well, I believe the Bible exalts women. Uh, I believe... That there, if you study your Bible, you'll find that there were 12 women that are mentioned around the ministry of Jesus, and Anna is one of them. Uh, as I look around this church and other churches that I have been in and I've served in or was a member of in the past, I see faithful women like Anna. She was a single widow most of her life, but she used her life and her position to bring glory to God. Uh, God chose not to have her remarry. Take notice, she never got remarried, but that was okay with her. She spent every day in the temple worshiping God. And, of course, she might be like some of you ladies, too. You already had the best. You don't want to take a chance on getting somebody else that isn't better, okay? Yeah. And in spite of her circumstances and in spite of her singleness, in spite of the corrupt religious system that was all around her, in spite of all the tension that was swirling because of the Roman government, Anna had her eyes fixed on God. And that's who she was going to serve with all of her heart until the day she died. 
You know, many people in Christmas time are lonely and sad. Well, you know, I got uh, some help here for you if you're lonely and sad. And you can share this with people that you run into that are lonely and sad. If they're not saved, you know who they need to put some peace and joy in their life? They need Jesus. And you got that message and that gift to provide for them. Now, just very quickly, and then we're done here, I want to look at the lives of Anna and Simeon. And I want us to learn some powerful messages from their lives. I think we already have, but let's put it down in a, in a nutshell now. Uh, things that we can learn from these two people's lives. This will go quickly. Follow after with me. I, I think we have this in, in the outline. Number one, God visits the humble. God visits the humble. Uh, what's the other name for Jesus? Emmanuel, what does it mean? God with us. You see, we know a God who is with us. He visits us in our low estate. <laughs> I don't think we have any millionaires here. If you do, would you please come up afterwards and tell me? Okay. And as you read the Christmas story, you see the people that God chooses for his visit. He chose lowly shepherds. Uh, fact of the matter is, when you think about the wise men, he chose them to be involved with this Christmas story, and they were foreign dignitaries. They were from a, another country altogether, and he used them for his purpose. He used ordinary lay people like Simeon and Anna. As far as who would carry the child, he chose a lowly couple, a young girl who was a virgin, to carry the child, bring the child into the world. These are the people that Jesus used. We are the people that God chooses to you. Some are retired. Some are still working. Some are grandparents. Some are raising families. One young lady that sits here today can't wait till she has this child delivered within the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to be real anxious to see it. Maybe not the first one, but to see it for the first time, the child that she's been waiting on for so long. That'll be a blessing, won't it? Someone else to add to the nursery downstairs. Yeah. Ordinary people that come out week after week when they can to worship God together, to learn more about the Word of God, so that they can grow closer to him. And that makes us grow closer to one another. Amen? The humble. The humble. Number two. We too should faithfully anticipate the coming of Jesus. Now, he's not coming back as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. 
Uh, first of all, for the church, we're going to meet him in the air. We're going to hear the trump of God. We're going out of here, and we're going to be with him for eternity. And soon after we meet him in the air, there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's going to be the beam of seat. We're going to... Uh, we're going to either receive rewards or not receive rewards, but we're still going to be with him for eternity. That's going to be a wonderful time, too. And then after the tribulation, he's going to come back. He's going to plant his feet on this earth. And he's going to take care of a lot of wrongs. <laughs> he's going to make a lot of things right when he comes back the second time. I'm anticipating the rapture and the second time when he comes back. Because I think the Bible says we're coming with him too. He'll do all the fighting, but we'll be with him. We'll be with him. Just as Anna and Simeon faithfully anticipated the coming of Jesus, I don't know how many times he walked in the temple and said to the Lord very quietly, Oh, is this the one? Is this the one? No. Be patient, Simeon. He's coming. He's coming. And then number three, now this in here might shock you a little bit, but listen to it. Be ready to die. Be ready to die. Now, let me put it in the form of a question. Are you ready to die? Do you know if you died right now that you would go to be with Jesus for eternity? That's an important decision to make. So in that sense, we all should be ready to die. It's coming. <laughs> Be ready to die. Isn't it wonderful to know that my Redeemer lives? He's conquered death, and I don't have to fear that anymore. Amen? Number four, and the last one, and we're done. What's on your bucket list? What's on your bucket list? Simeon, Anna, we know what that was. They wanted to see Jesus. For Paul, the apostle, the evangelist, the missionary. His only goal was, uh, goal was to know more about Christ. Is that yours? To know more about him? Is, is this on your bucket list? You, you'd like to just reach a couple more people with the gospel? You'd like to see that loved one saved? You'd like to see that friend, that, that worker get saved? Paul also said he wanted to stay here and win the lost. If he couldn't do that, then he'd be just as happy to go home and be with the Lord. But if he was going to be here, he wanted to be faithful and witness to others. Is that our mindset? Is that our mindset? I, I would submit this to all of us, that Jesus should be the top of your bucket list and all of the things that go with that name and everything that goes with what God wants us to do for him that should be the top Jesus Christ should be the reason for us living he certainly is the reason for our eternal life. And we ought to make him first in our everyday life. Amen? What a difference it would make in our world 
and in the world in general. Let's pray.